If you grew up playing horror games during the late 90s or the early 2000s, chances are you fell into one of two camps, either Team Resident Evil or Team Silent Hill. We had a chance to review the original Resident Evil 2 in the podcast, and we love going back to this PlayStation 1 classic. That being said, we knew that by having to review that game, we would eventually go over to the PlayStation 2 and review Silent Hill 2, which is Ryan McNulty's favorite game, favorite horror game. And a lot of people talk about that, but two of us on the podcast had never had a chance to experience it. So naturally, during the month of October, it's time to finally review Silent Hill 2 and another exciting episode of A Cast of the Past with a brand new episode each and every Sunday with yours truly, Juan Velascore, joining me. People, this is... I don't know. I forget when your when your birthday is, Ryan. But this is it's in July. pretty damn close. To, well, it, it's, yeah, it's Christmas a late birthday gift or yeah, early it's a, Christmas. It's a little bit Either late. One. Christmas birthday, Ryan McNulty from Boston, Massachusetts. How excited are you that this is finally happening? I'm um, I'm pretty excited because, like I said, way back when we started this podcast, is it's going to give us a chance to let our friends experience these games that we've always enjoyed, but, you know, our friends haven't played or no matter how much you try to convince them. And now, now it's finally here. It's, it's a game, you know, when we decided to start this, this was one of the first games that came to mind that I was like, okay, you guys are playing this game, whether you like it or not. And hopefully you enjoy it because I, I hope you had the same experience I had or a similar one of really enjoying it the first time. So, uh, yeah, it's time, and I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on this game. So the other person that's going to be talking about this game for the very first time from London, Ontario, Keith Poshik, how Hello. excited are you as somebody that's coming from Resident Evil and then you're coming into this game in 2019? I'm really excited because, yeah, I was on Team Resident Evil. This was my first experience with Silent Hill, even though I'm quite familiar with survival horror playing every single Resident Evil game. So it was nice to see the other side of the fence, and I was excited to finally have a good excuse to go on that other side of the fence. So everybody, don't forget that if you enjoy the podcast, if it makes you feel pretty damn good, leave a five-star review on Ooh, your favorite app of so choice. Good. Oh, yeah, definitely, man on Apple Podcast Stitcher, even on Facebook, that's a thing. But because we're going to be talking about the second one, naturally, I have to ask, what's everybody's sort of interest level or experience with the first Silent Hill? Well, I've played it, played it through all the way twice. And for a PS1 game, I think much like Resident Evil 2, it's it still holds up pretty damn well. It's got bad voice acting. It's really clunky in some places, but I think it's 100% still a very playable game. Um, it's definitely different in a lot of ways to Silent Hill 2, but definitely a great foundation that is worth revisiting. Yeah, I want to check it out eventually. Just from uh, my experience with this game, it has made me want to go see where it all began. And I understand, you know, it's a PS1 game. In my mind, I can pretty much ballpark what that game is like. And it might not be as enjoyable of an experience, but I feel like now I need to go experience yeah. it at some we point. We did Resident Evil 2, and that still plays fine. It's, it's like the same deal, you know? Okay, that's yeah. good. 
So something we have to consider, you know, we sometimes say like Resident Evil is Silent Hill, but in inside the survival horror genre, there's like subgenres or styles. I think that Resident Evil 2 is a lot more action oriented, even though it does have its puzzle elements, right? Like that's a large chunk of the game. But there is a higher emphasis to me, at least on the weapons and weapons variety, whereas this game, Silent Hill 2, can talk about the other ones really I feel like it's a lot more psychological. You also have other games that technically are a horror theme, like House of the Dead, Fatal Frame, but they're all sort of in the same category for you, Keith. What did you like uh, stylistically about this game, or what surprised you in terms of the, the, the tone of the game? Exactly what you said with it, story elements. I think that's what surprised me the most, because normally with horror games, like with everything you mentioned there, Resident Evil, House of the Dead, none of it really goes for serious topics. It's, oh, hey, here's the zombie man, or here's the man that injected himself with a virus, and now he's growing an eyeball in his uh, shoulder. None of it was really <laughs> serious topics, but Silent Hill, at least Silent Hill 2, goes for some stuff, like some really, really deep stuff. Now, does it land all of it? I'm sure we'll discuss that, but it at least tries, and that... Uh, that um, psychological, really just messing with your mind stuff to the point where I still don't even know aspects of what I played playing that whole game. Like I walked away from that having more questions than answers. I love that. I love that just because it's so different than everything I've consumed uh, in the past. Yeah, I, I think basically psychological horror is the best and most accurate way to describe it where the like you said the story's deeper and not everything may be what it seems and what i appreciated much like keith was kind of um alluding to is that you do walk away with some questions and there could be different interpretations of things and people write essays on this game like like many I believe like, that. you know yeah. people write could write a whole book uh, on this game and that's that's what i appreciate about appreciate the depth of the story that you know some of it maybe doesn't land but there is enough meat on that bone for you to really uh you know use your interpretation and imagination to come up with what you think may have happened Mm -hmm. One of my main objectives when I uh, started playing Silent Hill 2 is trying to understand why there's so much reverence for it. Because as somebody that reveres Resident Evil 2, I can tell you exactly why I love it. It's the action, it's the kind of cheesy characters, and it's the awesome monster encounters. I think my um, what I walked away with is the fact that Silent Hill is almost revered for the exact opposite of that. And it's really cool that that exists. That's true, because when you think about, you know, you, you go back in time, Super Mario 64, oh, it's still worth playing because of the gameplay mechanics. But this is a very different game where it's not the gameplay mechanics, at least for me, that I believe are what people remember in this game. And that that's a skill, because remember... The first Silent Hill came out in 1999. That was a PS1 game. This one came out two years after in 2001. So we're talking about early PS2 cycle, yet games like this, games like Ico, people still talk about to this day. So there's something about that early generation that maybe you think, well, maybe that was a late PS1 game and they kind of just pushed it to the next generation. But having said that, Ryan, could you talk about if the game has any links to the first one and then... Uh, just sort of go go over the the story or what is Silent Hill 2? Yeah. Um, so first of all, 
uh, Silent Hill 2 is very much a standalone game and what and it being revered as one of the best in the series, it was nice that we could go right to this one and it doesn't really feel like you guys are really missing any key information. Um, there's, it's really Silent Hill 1 and Silent Hill 3 are very much connected, so you would want to play that one before you played 3. But in the case of Silent Hill 2, it really stands on its own and the Silent Hill itself is kind of, it's almost like its own character and I, I feel like its interpretation in this game is a little bit different than the other games. So, um, yeah, very much stands on its own. But getting into the actual plot of the story, the main character who you play as, his name is James Sunderland, and he essentially comes to the town of Silent Hill uh, because he gets a letter from his wife who just recently uh, passed away three years ago. And he he's like how do i get a letter from my wife who passed away so they apparently used to go to this town as like a vacation spot so they have a lot of memories there um so someone who's just um been really downstruck in and really affected by the death of his wife is basically he's so desperate he's coming to this town to seek answers because you know He's just hanging on to anything. And hey, I get this letter from my wife who's passed away. I need to see what this is all about. I need to see her again because um, clearly he's been tortured by this uh, this death. So you go through the town and basically try and get answers and you meet several characters along the way. Um, and you eventually come to a pretty big realization with what's going on and you're kind of just like things are kind of unraveling as you go through all the different areas and mechanically speaking something right off the bat that i love about the game is when you first start it gives you a couple of options usually when you when you play a game you choose the difficulty which is easy normal hard whatever here they go one step further they ask you in terms of the the combat you know, sort of what's that difficulty like, but the puzzles change as well. So uh, in my case, I get lost often, so I'm not going to lie. I did look up a couple of tutorials or just something to be like, what the hell am I supposed to do? And the answers actually do change, which I appreciate that. So if you want to have like a casual combat experience, but like super difficult puzzles, maybe you choose easy for the first one, and then you choose a higher difficulty for the other one. But something that we do have to consider, this is a, a super story heavy game. So there's no way that we can rightfully do this podcast episode without spoilers. So we're going to try like the first few minutes to sort of go over the general details, but there is going to be a thing that maybe we suggest that if you are going to play this game, pause this episode because it's worth playing, people. This is a PlayStation 2 game. It's also available on Xbox. It is out on PC. It's a very old build, but people have done a bunch of stuff to sort of upscale it. And there is the uh, infamous high-definition collections on PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360, of which the PS3 version is definitely the, the one to get. But Ryan... We know you like the game, so that's not going to be a stupid question I'm going to do. My question to you is, why do you love this game so much? Um, I love the atmosphere of the game, and I like 
the uh, like the story itself and just like i said the depth and the fact that you can watch youtube videos and read more about this story but also because um just the way the story unravels was very unexpected for me and i like the interpretation of silent hill in this game um something we'll go into deep deeper into more but um essentially silent hill in this game it kind of is your subconscious come to life for for the inha- the person in the town. So depending who you are, you'll see different things and think different things will appear to you. Okay, and I love that interpretation, and I don't know if I'm already blowing minds here, but <laughs> yeah, no. So that that's one of the things that I wanted to ask about. So Silent Hill as it is in this game it is a real place it is a place on a map that people visit it's not just like somebody's in somebody's mind this case being james am i correct in assuming that that? yes silent hill is a physical real place and when we get into each character I can help kind of flesh that out as to there's one character that there's hardline proof of why, like why things are the way that they are. Okay. Um, Cause I wasn't, that was one of the things that I wasn't sure about walking out of the game. Like part of me thought that it was a real place, but in the way that things kind of wrap up, you can kind of, there's another strong case for, well, maybe this is just like in people's heads. Like it's its own yeah. version of hell where if you, if you do a heinous act, because that's kind of a thorough line throughout all the characters in the game. If you do something bad, then you end up in this hell, like this mental hell. Well, I, so will I say wasn't you're, sure you're, about that. You're 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 half right. I'll put it that way. Okay. You're definitely on to something there. But okay. But yeah, just I guess we can get into general impressions, and then like we can just dive deep into the lore and everything. So mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. I actually want to start it off with this one first because like. I feel like I'm sort of the com. I'm I'm the level playing field, right? Keith is coming from that Resident Evil background. You're yeah. coming from Silent Hill, and I feel and like there needs to be a little bit of a disclaimer on me. Where, yes, I come from the Resident Evil background. That is my survival horror experience. I am probably going to make a lot of reference references to the Resident Evil games. I, hey, I did the if same that in is, RE2. So yeah, yeah. it all's fair. If that is maddening for you out there in listener land, I sincerely apologize, but that's my experience. Like for me, I was looking to answer like if I could describe the this game in one word, what it would be, and I think it's curiosity. And it kind of goes to what Keith has been talking about. It's like as I played this game, I thought like, okay, here I'm in a town, I got to look for my wife, she's supposed to be dead, but she's not. But then you have these characters and that, I mean, and Keith's point to like referencing Resident Evil is a very weird. Resident Evil, Raccoon City. Here, Silent Hill. And here, you do actually find different characters and that's weird, right? Because usually you're like, oh, they're going to be killed by a zombie, but that's not a factor here. So what's exactly going to happen? And as the game progressed, I started second guessing everything. I met a new character, but but did I actually meet a new character? Who is that? How come everybody knows about my wife? Everybody everybody talks about Mary. So is this all in my head? And that makes a lot of sense when you talk about the fog of the game. But my general impressions is that I love playing this game. I'm going to say I, I enjoyed this for insanely different reasons as uh, I love playing Resident Evil 2. Resident Evil 2, I thought it was like a spectacle, right? That's like... Marvel to this is being DC, right? I think uh, Resident Evil loves like the flashiness, loves all the fires, loves all the smoke. 
Here, it's literally the opposite. It's about the little sounds. It's about the no sounds. It's about the fog that just covers everything up. And it builds up the expectation. You know, I, I was so used to waiting for a dog to jump out the window because I come from playing Resident Evil 2 earlier this year. And this game really just made me feel like Juan enjoyed the story. Like you're going from moment to moment, you have the puzzle elements, but this is the type of game where I'm not playing it and I'm thinking about it. You know, I streamed it a couple of times and even people in the chat were like, oh, well, what's happening in the story? And that's how you know you have a good game. The, the most recent example that I've had, and it's not an old game, but Yakuza 6. That's the game that I love the gameplay, but the story is what really hooks me there. And that wasn't really the case with Resident Evil. And we talked about that. You know, Resident Evil 2 is awesome, the original one, but let's be real. You're playing it for the lore, but here you're playing it for the lore, but the characters and everybody that you're meeting there, like that was my hook, line, and sinker. Mm -hmm. This game is very much the ying to Resident Evil's yang, where everything that Resident Evil kind of falters on, Silent Hill does great, especially Silent Hill 2, to, uh, to kind of go more on a word that Ryan mentioned that I think sums up what I love about it so much, the word atmosphere. They absolutely nail the atmosphere of Silent Hill, just this foggy town, and when you're walking around, the music kind of complements this on-edge feeling that you have, and then the fact that the monst the monsters themselves aren't that intimidating, but when you hear that sound cue that happens once you get closer to a monster, you feel a little more <laughs> the anxiety. You feel a little more on edge, and to the point where they do jump scares and it works in a game. It's not like a crash smashing out of a window intense, but like something just skitters across the screen and you're like, oh my God, no, I don't like that. And then the combination of that at the beginning and then as the uh, as you get more familiar with the game, they kind of change the atmosphere to keep you feeling on edge, but not in the same way. Like all of a sudden the like the loud like thunks and the quiet uh, atmosphere turns into this creepy piano music that plays as you progress in the game and I just love that progression of it so much and the atmosphere was so great in the game yeah well I was gonna say that and that's how you build like a competitor game that I love is that they weren't just trying to be a bargain center version of Resident Evil like they they said hey let's take all the weaknesses of Resident Evil and make them our strengths in this game and I think that's why you can love and appreciate both games for really different can. reasons and yeah I think I love that yeah it, the combat it's you know it's not about the combat and it's it's you know the, on that side of things it's very underwhelming but um instead it's more like the anticipation and what's what's next like what's around the corner and using sound to really mess with you uh you like you go to the basement of the hospital and i think i mentioned this a previous episode i wasn't sure which game it was in but it was this one where you hear like this weird squealing and you're like what the hell is that? And you're like, if I go in this door, is something, you know, am I going to see yep. that thing? Uh, or, you know, you're in a prison and you hear something walking above you. You never see it, but it's there and you don't know if it's going to come after you or not. Um, so those types of things of like, you don't, the game loves to mess with you. And really does. it's like, oh, you thought this was, you know, you thought this room was going to lead this way or, you know, we're going to put you in this big room. It's a big, 
big empty room and there's just one little thing in the middle that you need to do that has like a puzzle and there's nothing else in this room but for the hell of it we're gonna make this room massive just to mess with you yeah because every instinct tells you like there's going to be a boss fight in this room there is a reason why there is space to move around but then there's and nothing. I know exactly the room everybody's talking about right now yeah. because I was thinking about that. I was like taking these baby steps like when's the cutscene yeah, going to trigger and somebody's going to fall down. Yeah. And Ron, to your point, you were mentioning like this game took Resident Evil's weaknesses and made it its strengths. That's like 500% I agree. Uh, when it comes to the gameplay mechanics, it is very similar, right? It's got the tank control. So but it's a little clunky. There is one difference that I was... It made my mind explode Which? where, yes, there is tank controls, but you can move while you're aiming. Like, you can almost move in a semicircle while you're aiming. And it it's is the so most... Good. It's the biggest res- or revelation. <laughs> like, the, I guess, the most comparable game in the Resident Evil uh, timeline to this would be Code Veronica, which came out a year before on the Dreamcast. They didn't have that. And it makes me mad they don't have that. They didn't even have it in Code Veronica X. They might hey, have had people. it in Silent Hill One. I'd, I'd have to check to remember. But yeah, it, it's like a. It's like they a didn't even thing. have it in Resident Evil Six for God's sakes. Yeah, and that was almost <laughs> ten it, years later. It makes later. a world of difference, especially like you do have a, a different variety of bosses. But before we get to that, like you do pick up items in the game. You can combine some of them. There are health items, and obviously, depending on the difficulty, it's going to become harder or easier. But two of my favorite things about this game a freaking radio and a damn map like the stupidest Mm -hmm. things that in almost every other game that's the thing you care about the least right you go to a map and it serves no purpose but the fact that the map in this game it's a live map so if james goes to a building and there's like a hint or something he'll he's actually going to pull up the map and circle hey like hey this is where i gotta go if he goes there or if he goes to a door and if it's locked he'll actually mark it down and that's freaking huge because it's a life more after than not yeah so many games i spent times like you know when when you play a game but you haven't played it you put it down for like three weeks you come back to it you're like lost this helps with that because it's like oh right i checked out these five rooms because every door is freaking locked in this game yeah. so <laughs> it's like this this one room that i can't get into but it's not locked so i gotta get in there how that's the thing and talking about the radio keith mentioned these enemies like the enemies in this game i'm not gonna say are, are scary they're messed up they're just messed up mm-hmm. horrible orgies there are orgies <laughs> in this game so definitely not something like i think resident evil 2 even if it's like aim for adults a child could play or teen this is just all sorts of messed up but the radio the way they go about like hey there's fog so you can't see a lot but we want to make it so you you know an enemy's coming nearby they have the radio frequency actually play out it's like interference so if you hear that ladder it's like i can't see the enemy but the enemy is somewhere in there, there. Yeah. yeah, and and that anticipation and that course of action, like once you figure out that you can pretty much run through, uh, you know, run by any enemy, it does have the horror element go down a little bit. But even then, like just the the atmosphere, which Ryan and you mentioned, Keith, like that's just so damn good. I I love it. Yeah, when you're outside, like I normally fight enemies when I'm inside an area, like inside a building. But normally when you're outside in the town, it is it is in your best interest to just keep running, you know? Yeah, there definitely was a point where 
I realized I'd barely have to fight anything in this game. And then the only thing that would uh, kind of pun intended shit kick me was those things with the the like the foot arms or the foot the legs, heads. the mannequins. The foot yeah. Arms. Yeah. 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 So one thing also I'll give this um, that I pr- that was very hard for me to go play Resident Evil because I was so used to Silent Hill is melee weapons are much more important in this game. Um, And I hope you guys got the pipe, the lead pipe, because that is a upgrade to your, if you were stuck with the board and the nail, God bless you both. I did not. I don't think I got it. I think I just had the board. So, yeah, because after the apartments there's like a gas station and there'll be a car there with like a lead pipe stuck in it so you can upgrade your melee by getting the lead pipe so i'm sorry you guys both missed that but if you ever, there's multiple endings to the game so if you ever feel like playing again you know that's there uh we haven't talked about pyramid head yet but you can apparently also get pyramid head's knife um but oh it's, i got that Oh, you did? I I did Why? not. I've never gotten it because that area freaks me out the most. So, uh, really, okay. But, hey, I did yeah. something. I got yeah. a thing. I so never there, used it. You never used like, it. It's here, very slow. <laughs> yeah, but here's the little things about the game that I love. So there are a bunch of characters, and we we have to talk about each one individually, mm-hmm. especially in this, because they are the game. Like they are the substance, but. As you mentioned, and I think like even people that haven't played Silent Hill, they know about Pyramid Head. Literally, he's got a Pyramid Head. He loves them orgies. We unfortunately got to witness some of those, but there is a point I in the game where I just stumbled upon the <laughs> knife. But here's the thing. When I got the knife, I actually began asking myself, wait a minute, am I Pyramid Head? Because I was like, why would his knife just casually be just laying there? So I proceeded to like question every little thing about the game like Mm -hmm. oh my goodness what if what if i'm the murderer what if i'm the one that's going around well i I, I don't know i mean it could be but (laughs) right it's like i got the ending that i got or he just wanted to upgrade to a spear he was like that is a possibility yeah it's like i'm done with this slow knife let me go stab you so ryan you're you're the one that's going to steer the ship in this part because i feel like we got to dwell a little bit more in into the story Mm -hmm. where do you think we should begin with that so i think we should first go through i think i should just run through the what the big the big plot points of the story and then we can talk about each character from there um so again if you haven't played this game and you don't want the story spoiled please go and play the game because this is a cool twist that will not make the game as good if you already know it going in all right warning done um so also okay trigger warning there is eventually going to be talks about suicide. At some point, this is going to be happening. Not sure where yes. it's going to happen in the conversation, yeah. but there's a lot it of is heavy, a discussion. Yeah, a lot yeah. of heavy topics covered. So, um, to hit through the major plot points, uh, James goes through the town. He comes across several characters along the way. Um, some know Mary. Some look like Mary, his wife, who had passed away. Um, and eventually through all of these areas he's like starting to question what he knows he's like oh did mary really die three years ago you know this laura girl who was with her at the hospital uh, makes it seem like that's impossible like that she was talking to her less than a year ago um and he's starting to question things and eventually you come to the revelation that james had mentally blocked out the fact that he actually killed his own wife 
and that he was essentially in denial or completely blocked it out of his mind. And Silent Hill was essentially the place that called to him for him to kind of realize who he was and what he actually did. And just to to go a little deeper into that part, I love the fact that, yes, he eventually figures out that he killed his wife, but even the reasoning why, like she was sick, right? But apparently that led to her having some attitude problems and that developed some problems there. He felt like his life was sort of being taken away sort of lost control and i guess that sort of triggered him to just block it out from his memory it was not it was not like he was mercy killing her although in some ways he claims it is and mary also kind of i felt like wanted to also be just put out of her misery but it was also a malicious selfish thing because you know it tore apart his life and like there was a lot of things going on like sexual frustration and all these things that he was dealing with in the town manifested that into reality for james right um so that's one thing we can jump quick to is the enemies because the enemies are actually huh. symbolic of what he's going huh. through oh my yes. goodness you're, yeah you're so, blowing my mind, okay so huh. the man yeah all right so i guess we can start with pyramid head um pyramid head is essentially james's like punisher like executioner for the guilt that he has for for killing mary that's why when he when he's fighting them at the end he's like i don't need you anymore because he's accepted what he has done um and pyramid head kind of having his way with those mannequins was like a symbol of like james's sexual frustration that's what the mannequins are that's why they're two pairs of legs like welded together they're not so subtly like okay you know i I get that yeah yeah i'm picking up what you're and then again like the nurses the reason the nurses are a little sexualized is just like james is in the hospital um so the nurse like he's probably having thoughts about the nurses but they're also kind of messed up um so there you go and then like those straight jacket guys uh apparently symbolize like his inner torment but they also kind of like throw up acid from the lungs which is where like mary's illness um took uh kind of that area no kidding yeah each enemy which is that's why it's so cool like each enemy actually means something more um there's those like they're called abstract daddies those like door looking dudes that thing on a bed those enemies about those yeah so yeah where do those enemies (laughs) are actually uh the character angela that's like her manifestation of her like world so we can jump to that in a minute but like um essentially like i said each character has their own different experience in silent hill it resonates um something from their subconscious and makes it a reality so uh uh, I, I guess this that we need a chance yeah we, we let, need a yeah, moment you yeah. have digest that, digest that. but but something i'll say the fog makes a lot more sense now at least for me from a gameplay standpoint because the fog is kind of like that's his clouded mind right and in that clouded mind that's where you see like these different mm-hmm. creatures and, and all of that like because that's where you see these these monsters right manifest manifest it, it's definitely the fog there's kind of like two worlds there's like the fog world and the other world so silent hill always does have the fog but it is 
certainly could be interpreted as some sort of um, subconscious manifestation. It doesn't always mean the same thing in every game, but uh, that's definitely a part you could say is a piece of it. Keith, how, how are you feeling, man? Man, that's I'm I'm getting hit hard with stuff like that. Like it's weird <laughs> thinking about the fact that I played this game and there there are things that I picked up on. Like I got the whole sexual frustration part, but I thought that that just began and uh, ended with Maria because it was mm-hmm. his. It was like a sexualized version of Mary. Little did I know that it just continued more and more. And that's what's just so great about this whole game, where. Like you said, Ryan, people have written essays about just how deep this game is. And it's one of those things now that I really want to go back and play it again, knowing what I know, just to see what I missed. It's very uh, it's very Sixth Sense-like to me, I guess is the most apt comparison I could make, where it feels like the game that you are playing the first time is so much different than the game you are mm-hmm. playing the second time, knowing that all of these things exist in uh, in their mind, whether it's a real place or not, and being able to put all of those pieces together and be like, oh, oh, okay, uh, yeah. for a second time. You'll definitely notice little things in the cutscenes along the way now that you know what happens and you'll you'll be like ah like i I didn't catch that um so it's definitely worth like a second playthrough one one of my favorite things like once you eventually figure out like hey like i'm james and i'm the person that ended my wife's life right it's like a lot of things make sense and some of it could just be gameplay mechanics but you know, in the game, there's a lot of doors that are locked. There's a lot of, like, convenience, I want to say, because, like, when you meet all these characters, right? Like, what are the odds that you meet, you know, Maria, but she kind of looks like her. You meet Laura, the kid, but then she happens to know, you know, Mary, and she happens to have letters about Mary, but then she conveniently locks you up, but then you're kind of okay with it. So it's like all these circumstances that when you conclude the game, it's like, oh, okay, here we go. So some of it is real, but a lot of it is like that internal struggle that deep down, he knew what he did, but he was trying to justify the actions. But once he's really going in there, once he actually goes to the hotel where they once had a like a vacation, he sees the VHS tape and he says like, I did this. Like the game takes a different turn because it's like, you're playing that character, right? Like you you figure out you killed her, yet you're still playing as him, which kind of makes you feel weird, right? Because you're technically the bad guy now. And then all of a sudden, everything else kind of like, it's like this gray area. And I love that. You know, most games are like clear, good guy, bad guy. Here, it's like, you're trying to find your wife. But at the end, it's like, man, you, you found yourself. And and I hate yeah. who, who you are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But even before that videotape, like, in, in my experience in the game, I had kind of put those pieces together because you have uh, Eddie who admits that he murdered um, an animal and like pretty much disabled a, a person. Guy, yeah. yeah, then you have uh, Laura. Not Loris. I always get their names mixed up. You have Angela, who pretty much kind of admits that she did some bad things because bad things happened to her. Everybody is in Silent Hill because something bad they did something bad and it's by no coincidence that james james is there so i had picked up that he had done something bad it was just a matter of what and then there was that big reveal and it's like oh okay yeah that makes a lot of sense so silent hill in this game is very much like it calls people to have them kind of 
self-actualize or just kind of come to terms with what they've done and you either make it through or you don't but this is sort of like your your um kind of trial and tribulation of just coming to terms with what you did um so we can jump into the other characters um Keith, I think you are pretty much on to what Maria is about. So we can start with Maria. So James ends up meeting up with her in the in the park, and she looks exactly like his wife Mary, but she's definitely more sexualized and um, basically is kind of what almost James would wants want. w- would wishes want. that Mary yeah. was wishes that Mary was um, and this character she's a manifestation of the town I don't know if you had figured that out by the multiple times she dies and comes back to life yeah. um, but she is not real and because you'll notice conveniently you know when they when they want to go in the bowling alley she stays outside when james is about to interact with other characters uh, and before before meeting up with before he huh. sees laura in the hospital um marie is feeling sick so she lies down so anytime james was about to interact with another real character mary is mysteriously missing um, my biggest so- my biggest uh hint for that is like he loves his wife right yet right off the bat it's like he's turned on by her and that to me was like well you're going into this town like how come you're so okay with like wanting to be with this other woman but then that's when i realized oh okay so she may be like i, I don't know what she is but you question that and that motivated me to push on a little forward uh more often yeah um and then so angela as Keith said, she was someone who sustained a lot of abuse from her father and brother. And I I believe it ends up she eventually kills her father. Yeah, I assumed and, that that knife that she was holding on to is what she used to stab them with. Yeah. That's, that's where my brain left. Yeah, and I would say that's likely the case. I don't know if there's any like actual information, but I think, like you said, open to interpretation. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, so... You, you know, she's very strange in her reactions. You can tell sometimes she feels very threatened by James just because of all the abuse she's had. She's very untrusting of men um, based on her past experiences. Um, and so Angela is really interesting in the way, like I said, that um, eventually one of the boss fights is you're fighting one of her manifestations, which are those abstract daddy monsters, which, you know, looks like two people on a bed. Um, and so it's not so subtle, uh, what it is. It's about and the also, opposite of subtle. Yeah. If you noticed the room that you're in where you fight her, uh, fight that enemy, uh, there's some not so subtle, like, holes that are kind of, like, wall, yeah. being, yep. being penetrated. Um, and, but it's also kind of, like, manifested into sort of, like, a living room in a, in a house. It's like, you know, you're in this weird labyrinth area. All of a sudden, there's just randomly, like, a TV stand with a TV on top of it. So, and he's, like, kind of, he's kind of okay with it, right? I think that's, like, the biggest deal that, that gives you an idea, like, you're, you're watching like a, a visualized thing that's maybe not real, right? Because it's like, yeah. if I was in this scenario, I'd be crying my, my eyes out yet. He's kind of just going with yeah. the flow. Well, yeah. I mean, it is, I guess Silent Hill does manifest, it, it manifests itself into sort of a physical thing. But again, it's sort of like your subconscious coming to life. But in this case, it's interesting to see because at two points, you see in this case where you're fighting Angela's like monster or whatever, 
is you're seeing two people's kind of s- versions of Silent Hill kind of cross over and into each other. Um, and again, when you see Angela at the stairs towards the end of the game, um, where everything's on fire and she's kind of basically accepting death, uh, and he's saying it's how hot it is in there. And she's saying, for me, it's always like this. Again, another situation where you're kind of like, this is what Angela's always seeing in her version of Silent Hill. Um, so those moments are really cool where you kind of see that kind of crossover period. Um, and yeah, it's just unfortunate for Angela that she's not able to like survive everything that happens to her. Keith, what did you think about Angela as a character? Uh, it kind of leads into my biggest problem with the game, where everything that we're talking about sounds awesome in conversation. And I think everything that we're talking about and are going to speak about with the other characters sounds great on paper. In Silent Hill 2, I think the biggest uh, fallback of it is the voice acting in it, where Mm -hmm. they go for a lot of things in this game, a lot of really serious topics, but the voice acting does not, isn't able to keep up. Like, yes, in Resident Evil and other uh, games from that time, the voice acting sucks across the board. But if you're talking about, um, if you're talking about like, oh, this crazy monster where a nuke is about to hit a city, it's a little bit different than somebody crying and basically coming to terms with the fact that, oh, this man I think is going to help me, but in my mind, I also think he's going to rape and abuse me. Like when you're, um, when you're touching topics like that, bad voice acting just doesn't fly. And Angela was the most prominent example of that with me, where you have this person who's breaking down and going through these things, and you just kind of have the very poorly voice acted James right beside beside her, kind of going like, "Huh? Well, well, that that's that's not good. <laughs> are you are you okay?" and it kind of took me out of it from that where I find it more interesting to talk about than I do to actually witness. And yeah, that that's my biggest complaint to the game. I think Angela is, I enjoy the character, but I think she's the biggest almost manifestation of that. Yeah, something I had to do is actually focus on the subtitles of the game more than the dialogue, because I think what's written, I think it's fine. And I like the fact that it's not like 30-minute cutscenes, because this could easily become that type of game, right? Like you you and I, Keith, we played Metal Gear. We know long cutscenes. But this game, For they do a lot in like <laughs> four to five minutes. But the, the deal, as you mentioned, it's like the characters so often talk like this, and it's like it's a little hard to really become invested. You have a character like Eddie that goes like, whoa, people bully me. It's like, whoa, James, <laughs> you're like, it's like, come on, man. And then, you're uh, talking down, Eddie. People. It's yeah, okay, it's, Eddie. It, it's, uh, the sad thing is it's a big upgrade from the first game. So. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, we, no. we have to go back now, Keith. Yeah, yeah for real. Um, all right. And then Eddie, Eddie's not so complex of a character like Angela, um, really, um, we pretty much kind of nailed down his story of, you know, he 
out of frustration for being bullied, he kills a dog and then also shoots the football player in the knee who who bullied him and basically becomes scared and in denial and runs off to Silent Hill and very much uh you know comes you know realizes what he did comes to terms with it but goes in the other direction of basically old is eddie because i got vibes somewhere between 18 and 45 and i wasn't 100 (laughs) sure i mean i'm guessing he's supposed to be of high school age i would guess like 18 based on the fact that it's like oh a football player and everything yeah, it okay. is a little hard to tell, though, because the the voice acting doesn't match the outfit, which doesn't match the size of Eddie. Yeah. And those are the little things. And once again, it's like 2001. I think like this game, you can sum it up as like maybe the technology and the video game development wasn't up to par with the storytelling. I think if you made this game a couple of years For later. For 2001, the voice acting was probably average, I would say. Yeah, um, average. Yeah, that's that's true. That's yeah. true. So finally, I was going to say Laura. Now, I'm curious. I'll let you guys give your interpretation what you think the deal is with Laura, and then I'll tell you what, what, the, what the creators said, basically, about her character. If I were to hazard a guess, I would say that Laura is very much like uh, Maria, where she is a manifestation of the town to kind of string James along to help him find this conclusion where I don't think that she was real, but she was there when she was there to string James along when he needed guidance. Like every time he kind of started falling off the path and questioning what was happening, she was right there to be like, oh yeah, Mary's super here. And oh, I know Mary. Did you find this letter that Mary left? Here, let me go get this letter that Mary left that super exists. And then eventually she was kind of the catalyst for him to come to that realization that he murdered uh that he murdered uh his wife that's who i think laura is yeah i feel it's kind of like that because she she's openly referenced by other characters like eddie and and maria and there's that convenience of like hey laura went this way to this door that's locked of which i have the key to open said door so i feel Mm -hmm. like those two characters are like the gateway you know going to to the hospital scene where you know, she says that there's a letter, but he tries to get the letter. She locks him in, yet he's kind of okay with that afterwards. So I feel like it's kind of like that middle ground to keep you pro- progressing. Well, I, I like your guys' interpretation because it's uh, it is interesting and it makes a lot of sense that she does so kind of string That's him along. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's actually a lot more simple than that. And oh, Laura, well, Laura is Laura is actually real. And you can see also in the intro video, like she's with Eddie and with next to a van. So it's likely Eddie was the one who drove her there. Um, but Laura was actually with like a friend of Mary's in when they were in the hospital together. And basically, she just because Mary always talked about Silent Hill, she wanted to go. Um, so the thing is, Laura, because she is just uh, an innocent child she doesn't have any darkness in her heart she doesn't see any of the dangerous things in silent hill so that's why she's able to go around the hospitals and everything and she's perfectly fine and everybody else is getting their ass kicked by monsters laura has no idea what's going on like i think james talks about like 
you know something about monsters and she's just like what are you blind or something like because she doesn't okay. see any of it um she's just this innocent kid and yeah so that that's really that's that's laura so she is real i know a lot of people think like oh if maria is kind of like the uh dark side of mary or like that like laura is like the innocent side but mm-hmm. it turns out she's just a real character um who wanted to visit silent hill and she's just kind of there to show that if you are someone who is not tormented doesn't have you know if you're just someone who's uh a you know pure of heart person which is kind of rare to come across i'm sure then you can go to silent yeah, no hill kidding. and nothing nothing bad will happen to you so it i want to see what keith would be yeah. like in silent hill oh i don't want to see what i'd be like in silent hill so so to that and i understand i know you didn't make the game so this is a hypothetical but so yeah. to her is silent hill just a ghost town or is it just yeah. a normal city where people like there's just it nothing be, there there would it would be like, like an a, abandoned city yeah, it would basically look like an abandoned city to her. Like okay. she, w- so she would see, like she'd be able to. She goes into the building. There just wouldn't be any monsters or okay. anything. Makes sense. Okay. the The one thing that did shock me. So maybe Ryan, you can fill this in. It's like, uh, eventually you make a lot of progress. You know, in the game, you go through different areas. You start in the general town. That's what most people know whether they have played it or not. Eventually, you go through a bunch of apartments, and that's where you find all sorts of keys, and that lets you know, like, hey, here's where you really want to go, right? Like, the, the, the end goal is to get to the hotel room where you spent time with your wife, but then in the process, you go through hospital, you go through a prison, which is really messed up, especially with the sounds, and I feel like that one, in, in comparison to the rest of the game, they get really puzzle-heavy, especially that with with the labyrinth like you're going up and down ladders there's a bunch of enemies and eventually you do get to the hotel but it's like he almost seems blind to the fact that this is an ugly ass place yet when he first sees the hotel it's like it's just as if i remembered or something my reaction was like man you you have no taste this is, this is like <laughs> yeah, the no worst kidding. hotel to take your wife i'm just gonna say like is that does Silent Hill looks the, the the way that we actually see it, or see that that blind like that to me didn't make mm-hmm. a lot of sense. Well, I think the hotel. I mean, it was covering a lot of fog, but he was saying that I think from the outside. Uh, so I don't think it, maybe it just didn't look that different. But what we're seeing is what James is seeing. Um, but of course. Uh, you know, the fog world, there is apparently a difference between like a normal world, a fog world, and then there's like the other world. But most of the time, you're yeah, just... If you ex- get the magic mirror, then you can go yeah. between the fog world and the normal world. And the, if you get the moon pearl, you can it, uh, just keep existing you know, it's there. It's funny you say that because in one of the Silent Hill games that came out later, you actually can travel between the two worlds through a mirror, I'm pretty sure. Um, but... Um, I did want to get your guys's take. You don't do as much flipping between this game as you do in other games, but I guess it's most notable in the hospital, right? That you start off in the regular world in the hospital and, you know, some doors are locked and some doors aren't. And then all of a sudden you transform into the other world and you're like, okay, this is a more messed up version of the hospital. All of a sudden, certain rooms that I couldn't go to in the normal world, I can go to in the in the other world, 
What did you guys think of that mechanic? To be honest, that is not a connection that my brain made that you were kind of switching between worlds. I just figured, okay, here's the nightmare part and we're just kind of stringing along. It was it was more, I thought it was just a convenience of atmosphere to kind of keep you on your toes where you never know where you're going to end up if you go through a door. You never really know what you're going to see. Yeah, for me, I had a similar experience where I just thought like, hey, here's the next chapter. Here's the, the next level thing, especially like... You're at the rooftop, Pyramid Head sort of knocks you down, you wake up, and things are dramatically different around that time. Like, I like that because it made me second guess, like, what's different now about this area? So, from a gameplay side of things, I did enjoy it. In the nightmare side, I felt like there wasn't enough difference between the two worlds personally, Mm -hmm. other Mm -hmm. than just, hey, here's a couple of other puzzles I have to do. But what's like the, what's the key thing? You know, I I didn't feel that part. Um, so that's the thing is it's a, they, it's a little weird in Sound Hill too, right? Because you're in the hospital, you go to the nightmare world and then you stay in the nightmare world until you finish, until you kill Eddie basically is when you come out of the nightmare world. So the, like certain areas take place entirely in the nightmare world where there's other games where there's a lot more of like you play the school and then you do the nightmare school and then you come out of it and then you play an area and then you do the nightmare area. So okay. it was it was a lot. They kind of made it. I think it was just more story focused. So they didn't have it be like, oh, just because we have an area, we have to do both the regular and the nightmare version of it. I think they just uh, they kind of just had it be one big nightmare section and then you come out of it and then you kind of have that nightmare hotel version at the end but it's it's a lot different um but normally in silent hill games it's much more like a dual world mechanic um but they kind of they don't play into it as much in this game okay so something i like to transition to because the the story is what you're there like that that's the roller coaster ride but what is the theme and, you know, when does it go up and down? Like, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the puzzle mechanics and the gameplay side of things, starting with Keith, because, like, there are very comparable things. I think, like, this is the one part where you could totally go, like, hey, Resident Evil and Silent Hill, there's a lot of things. you got to find this box. you got to find this key. There's a lot of backtracking. There's a lot of guessing and sort of just looking around. How did you feel about that? Because I feel like maybe that's sort of the the comfort zone or something that you've been used to previously. Because I was so used to like the puzzle light elements of Resident Evil, I found it to be a bit of a frustrating aspect of it. Because if, uh, if we're talking about like things that are unique to Silent Hill that you don't find in Resident Evil. It is these in-depth puzzles that uh, that the game throws at you. Because uh, just to use an example, um, in Resident Evil 2, you find the wolf medallion and the eagle medallion. You don't have to put them in the slots. You just get them and then you use them and then you're done. And in Silent Hill 2, there's this coin puzzle where you have to kind of not only get the coins, but put them in the right slots. And for me, being used to the Resident Evil 2 thing, I found that to be a bit of a frustration. And not in a bad way. So I will admit that there was a couple puzzles that I looked up the um, looked up the answers for just because I wanted to keep going with the story. Keith, so I got to ask you right here. Uh-huh. Wax. 
<laughs> oh, I think I looked up that answer because wax doesn't stand out to me. Yeah. Okay. So I, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> clarify. Like some things are more obvious than others. There was one part when talking about the puzzle pieces. I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure I'm getting close to the end of the game. This this door at the bottom is locked. Like I have all these items. I got nothing. So I looked up online. It's like, oh, you're supposed to melt this and combine it with this and do this. I'm like, yeah. come oh, on, yeah. man. I looked that up. Use a lighter to melt a wax doll come on. so that you can stick a horseshoe in and use it as a handle, which I don't even know, like, would the wax really hold? I don't, right? I don't know if it would. So uh, I thought they went a little bit too yeah, far in that part, but that, Ryan. That one they might have took, went a little too far, but I appreciated how they mess with you with a lot of those puzzle things, right? When you're in the hospital, there's that lockbox that needs like three locks to open. And when you finally open it, it's a piece of hair, right? right. You're yeah, just like, that was what great. the hell? But then you end up combining that piece of hair with like a little hook thing so that you can get a key out of a drain. So you do end up using it, but they mess with you where it's like, oh, I did all that for a piece of hair. Or even but like that coin puzzle that I uh, mentioned earlier. You only need two of the coins and there's four slots. So you're kind of there like, do, do I need to get everything? Where no, mm. you actually only need yeah, half. it half. Yeah, a lot of them, some... Sometimes, and again, that's why I do appreciate you can do easy puzzle difficulty. Although when you start the game, you don't know how easy, mm -hmm. easy is so, or how, you know, medium, medium is, but. I was going to ask you about that. Is it just like the hints that change on the different difficulties no. or is it the puzzles themselves so that I change? So, I think you would need to acquire the same items to do the puzzles, but they would be much more simple, right? Like for easy, that coin puzzle might be like, oh, this coin goes in slot two and this coin goes in slot three. So, mm -hmm. it's pretty direct. Yeah, and, so the hints you know, become a little bit more abstract. Yeah, it's, or it's way more straightforward. I've, n like, I've never been particularly great at the puzzle. I usually just do it on normal. Uh, I wouldn't try my hand at expert because sometimes I also had to look them up too. Um, a lot of times, even though I'd read the thing over and over again and I'd still put the coins in the wrong order. <laughs> <laughs> so something else I wanted to mention, it's like, I, it, this is such a different game. You know, going back to the enemies that they have. So now, thanks to Ryan's mind-blowing uh, reveal for, for Keith and me, we know that the enemies are many ways like... Uh, real life versions of what he's really thinking about but even how they, they're animated it's uncomfortable right like here's a very smooth james sunderland when he runs around but everything else is like purposely low frame rate jumpy it's like you know mosquito how mosquito like they kind of just jump around because they're so fast when you see them really up close like what did you think about that keith and then ryan you know somebody that has played this game multiple times because i i did think like it makes you uncomfortable more than scared, but I like that. I personally thought that was a really good thing. More than once, I kind of, it wasn't like a reaction of fear to an enemy, but it was more kind of like, what the hell is that? And it was that uncomfortableness that they left you, even to uh, to have to learn their motions. Like the basic enemy in the game, the straitjacket thing that vomits. It took me a while to learn that, oh, I should strafe around them to not get thrown up on and get, um, and like slowly die from constantly getting vomited on. That is a nightmare of my own, but I digress. But it's, <laughs> I, the designs of them were so great that it almost became a bit of a 
disappointment near the end of the game where the even though as cool as they looked and how disturbing they are they do become afterthoughts even the bosses because that um what was his name the daddy the abstract daddy the abstract daddy that uh that detail that you mentioned about how it's like two people on a bed that was totally lost on me i thought it was like a weird square monster or a rectangle monster i thought it was a door it is, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it does kind of look like a door. Um, yeah, the 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 low number of enemies is a little bit of a disappointment. Um, but again, you know, it's not really about the combat, so it does. I don't think it affects the game that much. Um, the there's cool things that you can do in Silent Hill, although the game is so freaking dark sometimes, it's really hard to see stuff. Um, but if you shut your flashlight off enemies will tend to be won't come at you as much your your huh. flashlight is kind of like uh, an indicator and they'll more come towards you but it's very hard to see without your flashlight uh one thing in particular i like about the enemies like the mannequins i like how when you're kind of far away from them they're just perfectly still so sometimes you'll just come across them and it freaks you out and they're still just perfectly still um but then obviously once you come near it uh they they start to come after you um but coming across uh, them and being able to shut off your flashlight is uh, sometimes you can use it. I, I use it more, I'd say, in Silent Hill 1 because it seems like I can't see crap if I have yeah. my flashlight off in Silent Hill 2. The idea sounds cool, but if I tried to navigate through those apartments or the hospital without a flashlight, that beginning I'm part. The beginning no. part of the game without your flashlight before you get in the apartments is always a struggle because I can't I can't see shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that would be way too difficult. But um, getting to, to sort of like the, the highs and the lows. So I think we can all agree the three of us enjoyed the game. But I would love to know like out of the different categories, whether it be a character, whether it be a specific moment or story or the gameplay, like what was your favorite thing starting first with uh, Ryan? I mean, you played it a ton. So what keeps you coming mm-hmm. back? So I would say my favorite thing about this game, like I said, is the interpretation of Silent Hill and what it means in this game. Like I said, it's sort of a manifestation of your subconscious and what's tormenting you. Um, and just seeing each character and how Silent Hill has affected them. Um, that's what's really cool. Because the other games kind of treat Silent Hill a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. I would say my favorite part of Silent Hill is the feeling that it left me with, where even though the the game itself kind of had shortcomings, like the voice acting that I mentioned, I think that as I like as I continue on in this experience, I will enjoy thinking about Silent Hill than more than I enjoyed playing it. The the ideas and the concepts that that game leaves you with, I think, are phenomenal. And our masterclass, I will go as far as saying, and the longer that you can separate yourself from the actual execution of it, especially with some of those, like, those deeper thoughts, I think is going to be, I think that's why it's revered as one of the best games of all time. And just all of these characters and how they took a game 
in 2001 where video games weren't known for really having the deepest stories. Like, yes, that is when things started to turn. That is when things started to get good, but it just wasn't good on that level. And I think that it was years ahead of its time in that regard. And yeah, I will... The thought of Silent Hill is my biggest takeaway, why I enjoy it. Yeah, like for context, Grand Theft Auto 3 also came out in 2001. Mm -hmm. We had a Devil May Cry, uh, the first one. We had Max Payne, Final mm -hmm. Fantasy X. So but I think all of those games. Everything that you said there is a good story, but it is a good action story. Silent Hill kind of took that exact, or it took the opposite route. Like the closest thing that you mentioned is Max Payne. Like, yes, that is kind of a psychological thing, but it's more of a messed up situation that you're still blazing guns through so the fact that it was able to do that in that time i think is incredible huh you you make an incredible point i haven't thought about that which is like those games like some of them like final fantasy 10 i mean that's a rpg long story right but the the stuff that happens between the stories like you're summoning things there's magic spells this game takes it all the way back and I'll be real in saying that usually I don't care for story in games because I feel like most games suck at it because they try to be a cinematic experience. Like, I know I'm going to get some hate for this, but like Uncharted, you know, my wife loves Uncharted, a bunch of people love Uncharted, but if I want Uncharted, I'll go watch a movie. Like, I will go sit on the I'm big screen. I'm 100% like, with you there. <laughs> yeah, because it's so overly cinematic. Just put the damn thing on a Blu-ray disc and have it play <laughs> so I don't even have to, like, actually move a controller. But here's the game that, look mechanically speaking, kind of sucks. Like, I love playing Silent Hill, but for every good thing, I would argue you can point out two bad things. But here's the thing. The things that are so good about the game, you can forgive the bad. I like it when a game is a little bit lopsided. And I think that modern gaming is so used to, no, everything has to be fluid. It has to be the gameplay, the story. It turns into a generic experience. With this game, I could get a feel of what the creator wanted to do. You know, this this would not be approved in 2019. Here, they no, would need to add 20 different not. elements because the gameplay, you got to keep people engaged. You got to keep people involved. Like, this game says, you know what? No. Like, there's freaking fog everywhere. Like, whatever. People or even can just, just run the around the enemies. That they hid. Like, good God, there's no way mm -hmm. that that would work without no. giant disclaimers at the beginning of it. Yeah, it's like we haven't even gotten to really talking about that, although we reference like, yeah, so the the character that you're playing as, not only did he kill his wife, this takes us to the actual story, uh, and, and Ryan can sort of dwell a little bit deeper into this, the game does have multiple endings, at least in my case, and then Ryan, mm -hmm. you can take the floor, once he has this final boss battle, which is uh, an image of his wife, and then he's able to sort is of conclude the chapter. Is that the same for every ending? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's the same okay. Boss. Okay. So I'm treated to this cutscene where he really is able to reflect on the different situations and my ending, although you don't really directly see it, he he dies by suicide by sending his car off and he ends up drowning in a lake. And that's the end of the game. So it's like you want to talk about opposite things of what we're used to. It's like you're, you're starting the game wondering what happened to your wife and you end up killing yourself because you realize like you're the person that's responsible for this. Ryan, 
make some more sense of this, will you? <laughs> so, yeah, there's several endings you can get. There's three main endings. Um, and I also got that same wet, uh, ending called the in-water ending. And I will it's not... also quickly say I got that ending as well. Oh, you did? Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. So, actually, the first time I played this huh. game, I got the leave ending, which is actually where James uh, leaves town with Laura um, following all the events. So, after com- coming to terms with what he did... Him and Laura leave Silent Hill. Um, so, a lot of people would say that the in-water ending was, like, the most appropriate ending because it's, like, he's, you know, he's a bad person and he's accepting this where it seems like the leave ending, um, it's, like, should he really be, <laughs> should this guy what even be trusted a with a endings? child? Because like, um, personally, I don't feel like I went through anything that's, yeah, like, oh, it, I'm going to get the good ending. There's, it's not, there's not like a direct A to B. I think no, at least from what I've read, I can't crack the exact formula. Um, but essentially, I think one thing I did where if you, in the hotel, if you listen to, if you put the headphones on and get that little scene about the hospital and the doctor, um, I don't know if you guys, did you guys do that? Yeah. In yeah. the hotel? Yeah. Yeah, um, so I think that's a big part that gives you the in-water ending. And then it's also, like, I think dependent on a couple other things that are escaping me at the moment. The leave ending is apparently the standard ending if you just play through the game. And uh, if you don't get hurt a lot and things like that. Um, And then there's finally, there's a Maria ending where... If you, apparently, if you do all the stuff to interact with Marie as much as possible, you try and have her not take too much damage. Uh, you check on her multiple times when she's in the hospital area. Um, apparently, that will get you the Maria ending where he's still delusional and tries to leave town with Maria. And then Maria starts like coughing and you're like, oh, here we go again. And, and uh, you still have that boss fight? You still do like have that the boss nun fight. fight. Yes. Um, okay, that's weird. So that does still happen. Uh, oh, another thing for the in water ending. Apparently, if you view the knife at least once, and um, or and I think if you try to read Mary's letter multiple times, sometimes you get that. Um, but yeah, there's a bunch of different criteria. So those are the three main endings. Now yes, there's there is some... there is one ending that I had to go look up on YouTube that I think is the most amazing thing that's ever happened in a video game. Is it the dog ending? It is the dog ending. <laughs> I have not seen this. So oh my god! Explain. You you have to look it up. So the dog ending, I forget exactly what you have to do to get it. I know you have to get at least all three of the normal endings mm-hmm. to get it. Let um, let me try but, and pitch it to one. Yeah. So you know that scene in I think it was. The second Matrix movie where Neo goes into that white room and finds out that there's like a Colonel Sanders looking dude <laughs> uh-huh. that's controlling everything and he's the Matrix. Uh-huh. Imagine if that was a dog. Yeah. So, yeah, James goes into this room and he sees it's a dog. It's like a Shiba Inu dog. I don't know if you know what those look like. Yeah. But yeah. he's literally in this control room with a headset on and he's got his paws on these like levers that he's pulling. And then Jameson's like, it was you the whole time? And then it goes into this cutscene. Um, it goes into the end credits to this little like dog barking song that's playing. So you gotta just wow. watch it. It's amazing. I, it's I have to watch yeah. that immediately. Yeah. Um, and then in Silent Hill tradition, there's also a UFO ending. So each um, 
each Silent Hill game has a UFO ending and they kind of all tell a story between the three games. But again, it's like you have to collect an item and like use that in certain places throughout the game to get the UFO ending. Um, so there's that one. And there's also a really creepy rebirth ending where basically James ha- tries to like resurrect Maria with some weird like oh items and stuff. Yeah, it's a little spooky. Um but yeah, there's there's so there's like three main endings and then like three like like special endings you can get. Okay, so <laughs> I need to watch that dog ending. Yeah, I'm just the like, dog what? one's the one you get to watch. But having said that, can we agree if there's one thing that we wish was different is uh, the voice acting? Would it be 100%. the voice acting or would it be game game mechanics uh, like tank I, controls? I would say the voice acting because part there was part of a charm to the mechanics of like you're not supposed to be like nathan drake spider-manning all over the place and beating the crap out of people like you know Na- i'm sorry nathan drake just climbs a lot <laughs> yeah, so, nathan yeah. drake spider-manning all over the place like what, what? You know, I, I, it, like and i or or feel like spider-man either but i always called nathan drake spider-man because i'm like dude how does he climb all this crap so that's easily? true that's but, true uh, yeah so you're meant to feel vulnerable and i think the bad controls play into that a lot um so it would be the voice acting the sad thing is the hd collection the voice acting is not better it really isn't even though it came out years and years later oh they redid the voices for that they did for the hd collection it's still not good in my opinion oh that's unfortunate um yeah so yeah one thing i did want to ask you guys um is what were there any areas you liked that stood out like between like apartments, hospital, everything. Um, I can't really tell you an area ones? that I didn't like, and I'm curious to see if Keith like <clears throat> I I had no fun in this part, and that's the labyrinth. Like after yeah. prison, that to me was a struggle because everything else, it's like yeah, atmosphere, you're progressing. Like here, it's like going up and down ladders, you're jumping down. That was something that I could not wait to get by, and, and I get yeah, it. it it's like good. you're you're getting to the end of the game, you're you're making it feel dirty. But to me, it's like I'm still playing a game, and there I felt like I just wanted to just sort of end it. Mm-hmm. The at the even though I enjoy the atmosphere, I'm trying to think of a good way to word this. I enjoyed the atmosphere, but the areas themselves I thought were just kind of generic. Uh, survival horror setting games where if you i am i feel like now if you showed me a picture of the hospital the hotel and the apartment building i would have a hard time telling you which one is which as far as it's just a dark corridor that looks a little different so i enjoyed what was happening in them but the environments themselves i thought were kind of Mm -hmm. take or leave um the labyrinth i can definitely say was is always the area i just feel uncomfortable right like i just it's confusing you don't want to go backwards and like you know there's a lot of dead end corners it's just like i never feel comfortable there's something about that area where i just it's not even like oh i hate playing this area it's just like you don't feel safe at all you know no yeah what I, what I enjoyed about the apartments, I think that was my favorite one because there's different buildings, right? So you're finding keys here, but you got to knock this down. And then the fact that the map c- continues to update, right? As you're progressing, you're like, oh, wait, I have this key, but which floor was it? I feel like I had a lot more fun in terms of just gameplay engagement 
I really enjoyed that. Whereas I think the hospital, probably because I got used to the gameplay, right? It's like, oh, this is what Silent Hill is. I didn't quite struggle as much. Like the apartments, I did have times where I felt lost, but it was mm-hmm. because I was still beginning to understand the game. But yeah. I, I really enjoyed it because that was the first time you also got to see like the, you got to see Laura, right? Like in the opposite side, you got to see Pyramid Head at one point. It laid the groundwork, and I feel like stuff like that really made for an enjoyable experience. So, what would you say, like, think about the fact that, once again, this is 2001. So, if there's a legacy aspect to this, like, whether it be future Silent Hill games, and Ryan can obviously talk about that, or whether it be other games, especially somebody like Keith. You know, you've played through all of the Resident Evil games, but who knows, maybe after 2001, after this game, or even the previous Silent Hill, were other games, you know, influenced by something? Like, what is the key thing, what the key takeaway that Silent Hill has uh, for you? I don't know if there is a key takeaway thinking about it, because like I said earlier, I think I will remember Silent Hill more fondly than the game the game itself is. I will enjoy thinking about it more than I enjoyed playing it and I don't really know if that leaves much of a legacy because games I know there are edge cases out there but games didn't really go for uh, uh, what Silent Hill did with these deep topics and this psychological aspect of it. Now, the later Silent Hill games may have, I have no idea, but from my experience, it doesn't feel like a lot of things went down that Silent Hill path. Like, I know there are a lot of indie games these days that come closer to it, and maybe we're finally trying or starting to see the roots of that in that uh, in that area of video gaming, but it seems like there's a giant gap where Silent Hill just kind of lived in its own lane. Yeah, so Silent Hill 2 definitely is regarded as the best in the series so sorry guys it's only downhill from here <laughs> but Yay, down um, silent hill but no oh. one in one in three in particular i still really love and like i said definitely worth visiting um but as far as the kind of story and the themes that silent hill 2 goes for i can't think of many games that have really tried to do the same thing um the silent hill series really after three for me definitely takes a dip and i've played all of them except for downpour which i really need to play that one that was like the ps3 i think the second ps3 like xbox 360 one that came out um but yeah none of them kind of went for the same similar um personal story thing everyone just they kind of went to the more default like spooky cult thing that they do in a lot of other games so and that's uh, unfortunate yeah that's it's unfortunate genuinely unfortunate but i think it might have just been a combination of you know after the fourth one kind of the original team that created silent hill um disbanded so we've never been able to really get that true game to follow it up and i think maybe people were just intimidated to try and do something like it because they were afraid they weren't going to be able to to execute it um i don't know but you know obviously the series continued on but silent hill 2 kind of stands on its own in terms of how its interpretation of the story and the town and everything for me i just gotta say if there's one takeaway it's just just sort of go for it 
I do think it's fascinating that people still talk about this game. Like, uh, I follow a lot of retro accounts on, on our social media cast of the past. And, you know, there was like PS Tuesday, like every Tuesday. And it seems like every Tuesday, I'm just like, okay, who's going to bring up Silent Hill 2 this week, right? <laughs> and you don't see that with a lot of other games, especially like early on in this generation. Yet, you got to ask yourself... How come we don't feel like uh, that way with other games that touch these deep, dark, serious topics? I do think that at the end of the day, maybe just economically speaking, people wouldn't approve it. You know, we got to talk about like 9-11, like there are key things that happen in real life, right? That I have no doubt in, in game it development. It changed kind of the culture and... Yeah. Um, and makes it more difficult for people to tackle these types of mm -hmm. themes without and getting a backlash. And we do see it these days. We do see it in like small indie games and stuff uh, more and more these days. So it's getting there. And I think yeah, no, and, and I think it should happen because kind of let's get real deep for a second. As a culture, we kind of skirt around these things and act as if oh it's just better not to talk about them and in my opinion that's not the case and it was cool to see somebody take a stab at that back in 2001 yeah i know absolutely so i'm legitimately curious everybody watching and listening are there are other games from that era like i want to say like playstation 2 xbox gamecube era that were sort of this deep, dark, serious, and real about specific topics. Because like you just mentioned, Keith, I think you can talk about a bunch of indie games now. You have games like Hellblade talking about mental health uh, and other games like that. But it's like when you scale it back to the beginning of uh, this refined 3D generation, are there other games like it? Please let us know on social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Now for the three of us, because we played Resident Evil 2 and Silent Hill 2. This is a hard question, okay? Like, soak it all in. I'm not talking about like, hey, when I played this game back in 2001. In 2019, which game did you objectively enjoy playing more? Now, I'm not talking about the first 20 times you played it. Silent Hill or Resident Evil 2? So, th this is kind of easy for me. Um, I'm going to say... I enjoyed Resident Evil 2 more because I had not played it before. And this was kind of like, hey, here's a whole nother series of games that are like Silent Hill that you've never played before. So being a completely new experience, not really knowing fully what I was getting into, only seeing kind of minimal amounts of gameplay. Um, that was sort of a game where I was like, at first, I didn't know how I felt. But once I got kind of the, the hang of it, I was like, oh, wow, this is a whole new series I could kind of explore. Um, and I was more inclined to be like, hey, let me try Resident Evil 3. Um, and I wasn't so interested in the remake that was, you know, the Resident Evil 2 remake. I was more interested. Oh, let me play ones that were game. more old school. It's so good. You know? Oh my God, what so. a game. Yeah, I think, I think it just comes, for me, it comes back to, I am going to enjoy thinking about Silent Hill 2 more than I enjoyed playing it. And for that reason... I think that Resident Evil 2 will still hold a very, very dear place in my heart because it's, in every way, it's more of a video game than this game is, where if you're talking about 
a video game experience, Resident Evil 2 is that, where Silent Hill 2 is more of a think piece. And it I'm not saying that's worse, but as far as my own personal tastes, I think I would still lean towards Resident Evil 2. This puts me in a tough spot, though. <laughs> but even though I think that from a gameplay standpoint, like you mentioned, Keith, I, I enjoyed Resident Evil 2 because I, I don't think I, I I don't think I can say I enjoyed Silent Hill 2 because of the game it is it feels weird to say enjoy but yeah, I will never I forget that, that experience and I think like when talking about the context of this podcast the reason I look forward to playing older games is to experience them to be like why is this game important why do people still talk about this game Resident Evil 2 there's a ton of games that fall under, under that category, whether it be through Resident Evil 1, 2, 3, Code Veronica, you know, and the other ones, and games like it, like Dino Crisis. But there's something about this game that I don't feel we're going to get a 10 games like Silent Hill 2. And, and for that alone, I think I'm more grateful that I was able to experience Silent Hill 2 and uh, other games, you know, that we may be playing in the future. So having said that, if you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to leave a five-star review. Uh, we are almost done with the year, even though I know this is uh, October. It feels and weird like that. to outro after this conversation, but <laughs> yeah, here we are. Yeah, it's like a weird transition, but we're very excited with what's happening on the podcast. You know, every couple of recording sessions, we sort of sit down and really think about, you know, what are the, the video games or the movies that we want to cover? In terms of, in terms of video games, like... I like to think that, you know, we started with A Link to the Past, you know, we have this, it's like, we have a, a fairly wide variety of games, and, you know, sometimes the game may change, like we were going to review Twisted Metal 2 at some point, Ryan, I guess in the, in the next couple of years we'll get to it, <laughs> but uh, we, we have some lengthier games that we could possibly be doing uh, down the line, so just keep an eye out on social media, A Cast of the Past, in case we confirm any of that information. And uh, yeah, uh, any any games that you're contemplating horror theme for 2020, guys? Now that we've done, we've done the two. It's like we've done the two. We've done the big two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Isn't there that Eternal Darkness game for GameCube? People have told me that's amazing, but I, I've never played it. So I've been, always been curious about that. I don't know. Maybe throwing it out there. It's all right. Keith, I, I it's all right. Keith, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So maybe another Resident Evil, but uh, send us a I'm send us your suggestions. Yeah, we, we can pull it up. We can set up a poll. So everybody, just send us an email, cast of the past at gmail or write to us on Discord, cast of the slash Discord. Maybe when it's time to get back to this genre, which personally I need a break of the three of us <laughs> i get very little enjoyment of horror games like my wife she could tell like this is my closing thing here she could tell that i was playing silent hill even though she can't see my monitor because it's like if i paused and got up to stretch she's like you're playing aren't you I'm like yep <laughs> i, I heard the radio and i paused the game <laughs> you need that mental break yeah so please give you a cute game guys and another exciting episode of a cast to the past Ryan. Mary? Mary? Ryan. Mary? Yes. Which of you two are, is the seductive one? <laughs> Why are we going? <laughs> I actually left Ryan speechless. Wow. <laughs>